You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 664 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It's Friday evening. On the heels of a 128-103 to loss for the Atlanta Hawks um, at the hands of the Detroit Pistons up there at Little Caesars Arena in Detroit. Um, pretty uh, ugly game for the Hawks, all things considered. We will go through it uh, as we always do on the podcast. Uh, I, I tried to wait, actually, in sort of a weird circumstance. Um, it's about 10-10 as we speak right now. Eastern time, uh, I would have recorded a little bit earlier, except for Lloyd Pierce did not come to his postgame press conference um, as of now. Um, the It's a very, very rare thing when this happens. In fact, I can't remember this this actually ever happening, where Fox Sports Southeast uh, went off the air with their postgame coverage without having a postgame interview from Lloyd Pierce. Um, I was in the building last year um, at, for a home game where there was a noticeable like a half-hour, 35-minute kind of break between the game and uh, Pierce speaking to the media, you know, this is even longer than that, um, and I know Sarah Spencer of the AJC is there, a guest on this podcast, I guess last week or the week before that. It's been a while now, but um, just a weird circumstance. I- I'm sure there was a long discussion about this game, and if that something comes out of that um, while we record here, I will break into it. But uh, yeah, probably a little bit of frustration, I would imagine, from the uh, Hawks in this game. Losing by 25 points uh, as a six-point underdog. This is a winnable game on paper for Atlanta. And, um, you know, in a interesting switch from the recent past, the Hawks actually started this game off pretty well. They were up 14 to 4 in the early going. It was 17 to 7 at one point. The Pistons were kicking it around the gym. Uh Bembry had a nice start for Atlanta. There were 12 of the first 14 points in the paint for the Hawks in this game. And uh but things things changed in a violent hurry. Uh, the one injury note that I wanted to point out was that Cam Reddish did not play in this game. He was listed as questionable early in the day with a left wrist sprain, and then uh, he went from questionable to doubtful to out within a couple of hours. Uh, Sarah Spencer of the AJC uh, tweeted that um, Pierce said that Reddish had some swelling and tenderness in the area and said it was better today, but only about a 30 or 40% improvement, um, and they went to Bembry as a result of Reddish missing the game. I'm not sure if he'll, if he'll, if he'll be able to play on Saturday or not. We'll have it, definitely have keeping an eye on his a situation, but in this game, the Hawks were a wing down in addition to Herter and Collins. But uh, yeah, as I said, the start was actually quite good for Atlanta, but that was kind of the end of the positives um, as far as the team standpoint is um, going in this game because then there was a 20-0 to run from the Pistons. It was 17-7, to and then uh, in the blink of an eye, it was 27-17 Pistons. The Hawks did not score for six minutes and five seconds, uh, score any points. And that's not just a field goal drought, that's a scoring drought of six-plus minutes, and that's, that's not a great sign for you under any circumstances, obviously. Um, during that run, the Hawks, basically everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Jabari Parker got his second foul, had to go to the bench. The Hawks used the lineup for at least part of this that was Ty Wallace, Alan Crabb, Evan Turner, Vince Carter, and Bruno Fernando. That is a disastrous lineup that's never, ever going to work, frankly. Um, and in this game, both Fernando and Carter were ghastly, and we'll talk about them more a little bit later on. It was not only them, but they were very, very bad in this game. Uh, and the 20-0 run, yeah, just kind of speaks for itself. Chandler Parsons came in early. Uh, he actually showed some life in the second half of this game, but was struggling in that in that, in that portion. And uh, 20 to nothing, you know, that that didn't end the game by any, by any means because the Hawks were still only down by 10, but uh, that was a big, big swing point in this contest. The Pistons led by as many as 12 uh, at the end of the first quarter. 
The Hawks just couldn't find their footing as a as a shooting team. They were one of eleven from three in the first quarter. It, it didn't get much 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 better than that from the rest of the game. It got a little bit better, but not not much better. Um, kind of funny. The the starters, all five starters, were actually even or better in plus minus in the first quarter, and they were down by ten because the bench was so bad. And that was a theme throughout this game as well. Um, the Hawks got down by 17 early in the second quarter after a three by Blake Griffin. The Pistons opened 10 of 15 from three. They cooled off a little bit after that, but, uh, the damage was kind of done for the most part. Uh, a couple of, uh, the one bright spot I would say, um, in the first half was the play of DeAndre Hunter. Hunter had 14 points in the first eight minutes of the second quarter and 16 points overall in the quarter. He had a couple of nice plays offensively where he finished through contact. Nice jumper as well. Made it a point. The Hawks made it a point to target Blake Griffin defensively in the first half. And some of that was Hunter in the pick and roll. The Hawks played well um, in, cer- in certain stretches offensively in the second quarter. Um, still, it was not enough because they just could not get stops. That was kind of the overarching theme of the day until the fourth quarter, which was almost all garbage time. The Hawks just couldn't, the Hawks just couldn't get stops. And, uh, you know, part of that was Detroit making every shot that they took for a while there in the first half, but the defense was not very good. And uh, that just kind of stands to reason if you look at the box score from this game. Uh, the Hawks did get, did get back to within 10 a couple different times at the end of the first half, but couldn't get stops to string together. And then a 9-0 run by the Pistons to end the first half, which, in looking back, probably ended the game. Um, a 9-0 run that included a Thonmaker three at the buzzer to go up by 19. Um, the Hawks were then, you know, at that point in time, the run kind of never came. The Hawks were really never within striking distance the entire rest of the game after they were down by 19 at that point in time. Detroit hit 12 threes in the first half, only three for the Hawks. That was a big swing. Uh, Atlanta had a 146 defensive rating in the first half. That is uh, atrocious, obviously. Uh, but still, the first, you know, the, the three guys who I would say are the Hawks' you know, best, at least the most prominent players right now on the roster, uh, Parker, Young, and Hunter, were all even or better in the first half, and the Hawks were down by 19. So, uh, you know, the bench kind of did most of the damage, for the, for, if, at least in the first half. And it was a 69-40 to 40 extended run from the Pistons after the, four, after the 17-7 to 7 start. Yeah, that speaks for itself. Um, after the halftime break, um, things got a little bit, you know, there were there were some highs, including the play of DeAndre Bember, who had a, who had a bunch of threes. Actually, he had a great game um, offensively in the spot, but the uh, the defense just never was able to generate any sort of stops. Um, in fact, the Pistons had 16 three-pointers in the first 27 minutes. They had four threes in the first three minutes of the third quarter to pretty much end the game, go up by 25 at that point. And that, from that point forward, I believe the Hawks never got within 20 again the rest of the way. They did go to Len ahead of Fernando when it was still somewhat competitive in the third quarter, which was noteworthy after going to Fernando first in the, in the first half. The Pistons scored 100 points in the first, I'm um, doing the math now in my head, 31 minutes. So there were five minutes left in the third quarter when the, when the Pistons had, had 100 points. They cooled off after that because it didn't really matter, but still pretty crazy. Um, like I said before, Bembry was a bright spot at times, and including the, the early portion of the third quarter. Actually, he was 1 of 11 on the season from 3 coming into this game. And uh, he started off, I believe he was either 3 for 3 or 4 for 4 at the, at the outset for him as a shooter. So that was, that was sort of a, one of the tangential bright spots in this game. And uh, one nice flurry from Chandler Parsons, who was not great, but did have 5 quick points, including a nice-looking 3 at the top of the key. Um, the Hawks, basically the fourth quarter was, again, pretty much, pretty much all garbage time, honestly. The one thing I wanted to at least point out was I was absolutely stunned that Trey Young came back in this game. The Hawks were down by 24 with six minutes to go um, with a back-to-back looming on Saturday, and, and Young came back in. Uh, by the way, he was not alone. Blake Griffin was still playing for the for the Pistons until like three minutes to go in a complete blowout, and Blake did not look good athletically. I know he had, a, he had some nice uh, scoring numbers in this game, but physically does not look like himself. I'm not sure why you would have been playing him in a blowout. And uh, yeah, Trey coming back in surprised me. I guess, you know, 
I'm certainly more conservative than Pierce has been about leaving Trey on the bench in blowout losses and blowout wins even um, in the last year and a half or so. But on the back-to-back with his workload, and the fact that he didn't, he did not really have it going in this game, I would have just probably sat him. But it wasn't a huge big deal. And he didn't he didn't, he didn't play all that long once it was very, very clear that the game was over in the final seconds. Um, one thing I wanted to point out here as we look sort of big picture a little bit, um, the Hawks made 17 of 17 from the free throw line. So they were perfect at the line and lost by 25 points. So in a normal game, they would not expect to be 17 of 17. In fact, Damian Jones was 7 for 7 from the free throw line in this game. Um, it's just kind of funny that it could have been, could have been even worse if you factor that in. But defensively, a 129 defensive rating actually looks better than you would have thought because of the fact the fourth quarter was just so ugly in a lot of ways. Um, the defense was much worse for three quarters. The Pistons had eight turnovers in the fourth quarter when it was uh, not really mattering at all. Um, the defensive rating was somewhere in the in the 140s before that. Yeah, that's really bad, obviously. 60% from the floor for the Pistons, 50% from three. They had 30 assists uh, on the night and t- on 49 made baskets, and uh, Detroit kind of just toyed with Atlanta offensively, which is you know kind of staggering because the Pistons are not very good on offense. <laughs> that's the thing about this game that – you know, you can sort of see it when they're playing the Clippers or the Lakers like they were over the weekend when they're playing against a team that's just got a great offense and dynamic and they just kind of run it up on them. Detroit is like league average-ish offensively. They're not terrible offensively, but still, uh, to have that kind of blitz happen to you when you were not on a back-to-back, when you were kind of fresh and in a game you probably could have won on paper, that was a bad sign for this Hawks team. Offensively, there actually were some decent signs until the fourth quarter. Still, you know, wasn't the worst offensive game of the season by any means. They, they, score, they scored at a, at a rate of 104 Points for 100 possessions. That's not good, but it's not a disaster, and it was better than that. Actually, just they just couldn't get stops the entire game, and we'll talk more about that. Did have 20 uh, 20 turnovers, I should say, and that's too many probably um, in, in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, sort of big picture thoughts here before we get into the individual player stuff. Um, it just was not a performance that will be memorable in a positive way for the Hawks, and uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that as we go in here. But before, before we get to the individual player stuff, as we always do, I want to talk about the good folks at my bookie. Thanksgiving is coming, and MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game on Thursday. So simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congratulations. If you got extra holiday spending money, if you lose, congrats to you as well, because MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally can't lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come and play. So quick waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself waiting, wanting to sports bet, but have lots of questions about it? Don't sweat that at all because MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Log on to MyBookie.ag today and make your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDONMBA. From there, MyBookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of a risk-free bet. So let me, one, more, one more time here. That's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true, a true football fan, you don't want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Hop on the gravy train and get into the action with my bookie using promo code LOCKEDONNBA. One more time, that's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, and we'll talk about the individual players in this game, as we always do. We'll try to keep it a little bit brief here on a Friday night because uh, it was a pretty ugly game. And honestly, if not for the back-to-back, I might have uh, might, have, might, have, might have packed it in here, but I promised a podcast, so here we are. Um, the, the bench was a disaster zone in this game. There were basically, I would say there was one player on the bench that did not um, play poorly, and that was Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn, 12 points, 3 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block shot in 16 minutes. 
Five seven from the floor. He was efficient. He was actually dead even in the plus minus. I thought Alex Len played admirably and pretty decently. Probably should have played more in this game, frankly, if they were trying to be competitive. Um, Len is the best center on the team and the best matchup against Andre Drummond, so I'm not really sure why he didn't play more, honestly, but um, there you go on that. Um, to the rest of the bench, it was, uh, again, pretty ugly. Chandler Parsons had eight points, so shouts to him for getting some stuff going there. Had three steals as well. Does not look great physically, but you can see the skill level sometimes with Chandler. He was not terribly aggressive, but got five shots up from three. That's good, and I think um, he at least flashed a little bit of the uh, of the skill level and the intrigue that he can bring to the table when he is right. Uh, Bruno Fernando was terrible, I thought, in this game. Uh, no points, three rebounds, um, two fouls in uh, 10 minutes. He was minus 17, only took one shot. Defensively, he was totally lost for the majority of the game. Couldn't keep drumming off the boards. Offensively, it was a mess. He was just in the right at the, in the wrong spot at the wrong time most of the time here. And I'm not trying to come down too hard on Bruno. It's just one of those nights where guys didn't have it going. But he was quite bad, and this was not the first time recently. Uh, Bruno is not ready to play. Um, that's not me being terribly critical. He is a rookie. He's a second-round pick, which people – I know a lot of Hawks fans thought more of him than that. But reality is he's a second-round pick that is overmatched right now. Um yeah, that's kind of where I'll leave it for now, but he was very bad in this game. Uh, Vince Carter also struggled on the other on the other, other end of the spectrum, spectrum there. With Vince, you have a guy who's 42 years old who is established, but uh, Vince was terrible in this game uh, by his standards and really by anybody's standards. He was 1 of 6 from the, from the floor, 1 of 5 from 3. Defensively, was kind of a mess. Had 4 turnovers. He was minus 29. That was kind of indicative, honestly, but minus 29 in 10 minutes is pretty crazy. Uh, that wasn't all Vince, obviously, but he was quite bad. Uh, it was probably the worst I've ever seen Vince play, honestly. Um, I'm trying not to be overstating it a little bit there, but he was so bad in this game. I'm not worried about Vince Carter. Vince Carter will be fine, um, but uh, it was a rough night at the office for Vince. Evan Turner didn't play much, nine minutes. Uh, did have an assist and uh, two turnovers and no points, minus 15. Um, I'm not sure if that was injury-related or if they were just kind of punting on him to try to keep him fresh for maybe tomorrow, but uh, that's something I wanted to at least point out there. Alan Crabb did not have it going with, as a jump shooter. As I said a couple times now um, on the podcast over the last few weeks and months, Crabb's principal value is with a jump shot, so if he's not making shots, it gets kind of tough in a hurry for Allen. He was 1 of 7 from the floor, 0 of 5 from 3. Did have four rebounds and was at least somewhat, somewhat competitive, but uh, yeah, minus 24 and not, not great. Ty Wallace was... Uh, not bad, was at least active in his short stretch of minutes, but uh, you know they're doing him no favors with the lineup that I talked about earlier when he was playing with guys who can't really help him. Wallace is someone who's a sort of a, depend- a, a dependent offensive talent. He's definitely a, a pretty good athlete and good defender, but uh, offensively, you're asking him to do a lot. Did have, did have two steals and two assists in a small amount of time. To the starters in this game, and honestly, um, this wasn't too bad. Um, the starters were all minus 14 or better on the night. And, um, you know, it wasn't fantastic by any means, but there were at least some bright spots for all five of these guys at times. Trey Young struggled by his standards, to be sure, with nine points and eight assists, six rebounds and a steal in 32 minutes. Um, three of 12 from the floor, one of seven from three. Bruce Brown, who he absolutely torched in the opener. You might remember that the Hawks won in Detroit to open the season, and Young was uh, awesome in that game, had 38 points. And really tore Detroit up the entire night. Um, they got their revenge here on him. Um, they blitzed him hard the entire game. He never really adjusted to that in this spot. Just didn't have didn't have the mojo going in this game. Didn't have a shot going. Only, only took one or two floaters in the entire game, which is definitely a strength from him usually. And uh, just didn't have it in this spot. But still created created a lot of good shots for his teammates. Had eight assists and probably could have had ten if uh, ten or twelve if things went differently. Five assists, you know, there were still nice moments from him as, as a passer, but not, not a game that you will want to remember from Trey Young. Um, Damian Jones, uh, definitely supporting piece, but 13 points, four rebounds. He was efficient, did not miss a shot, both from the floor, three for three, and the line, seven for seven. 
Defensively, couldn't grab a rebound, though. That's something he just cannot do right now. Um, he had one defensive rebound in 25 minutes. That is unacceptable for a center. Um, it's not only about his rebounding, but they just got killed when he was on the court offensively. Um, sorry, defensively, try to grab rebounds, especially against Andre Drummond. Uh, that's why I don't really know why Alex Lynn wasn't, wasn't playing more in this game. But alas, Damian was productive offensively, so that's there's something to be said for that. Um, on the wing... Bembry uh, with a career high, actually, 22 points and a career high four made threes. He had six assists, four steals, four rebounds. He was the best. He was the best uh, story for the uh, for the Hawks in this game. Um, just sort of sort of start to finish. He, he had a nice first quarter. Had, had obviously a great rest of the game as well. Offensively, defensively, he's always solid. So um, if you had to pick one one bright spot in this game, it was probably the, the probably the play of Bembry with a, with a couple of career highs. Unfortunately, it happened in a blowout loss. So it would be lost to time. But uh, Bembry did play well. In the spot, uh, Hunter, it was pretty much all the uh, same quarter. The second quarter of this game, he had 16 points, and he only had 18 for the entire game. He still played well, though, had four assists, and I think he was pretty solid. He was not the problem in this spot, and we'll obviously talk about more Hunter in the future, but I thought he played at least reasonably well. Jabari Parker didn't play a whole lot, was actually pretty productive. He was the best plus-minus on the team at plus six, 14 points, four rebounds, three assists, and a steal for Jabari in 21 minutes. I think he would have played more. Um, he had foul trouble early on. He had two fouls in the first quarter, had three before halftime, I believe, or at least right after halftime. And then um, at the end of the game, they did not play him when they probably could have. So I think he probably would have been closer to 30 minutes in a, in a game if it was actually competitive. But uh, not a ton of him. Offensively, he was good. Um, defensively, you know, it's a broken record stuff with Jabari. But defensively, he had some nice moments uh, where he was totally lost. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, the effort's been a little bit better for Jabari this season, but it's definitely tailed off in the last couple of weeks after a stronger start. Um, not coincidentally, not coincidentally, as he's played more minutes, I think. I think ideally you you're, you're seeing why the Jabari experience is a little bit maddening sometimes. Offensively, it's been very good. Defensively, it's been very bad, and uh, it's getting worse as he's playing more. So we'll see how that goes in the future. He was not, he was not the huge problem in this game by any means, but there you go on Jabari. Um. You know, big picture here, before we get out of here, this is the, fi- the fifth straight loss for the Hawks. They've lost 8 of 9 and 11 out of 13 since opening up 2-0. They have Toronto, a tough task on Saturday at home against, against the Raptors. Um, that's not like an unwinnable game by any means. The Raptors are not a juggernaut, but they are better than the Hawks at this point in time. So, you know, would I pick the Hawks to win on uh, Saturday? No, I would not. But they absolutely can. And we'll see how that goes. You know, no no uh, point spread that I have seen so far for that game. But I'm looking up as we speak right now to, to tell you what the uh, 538 projection is. And it is Raptors by three. That's not, That sounds probably about right, honestly. You know, the back-to-back is uh, not helpful for the Hawks in this game because they're they're playing at a disadvantage, and that kind of leads. I'm looking at Vegas now, actually, they do have a lineup for this game, and it's the Raptors minus seven on the road in Atlanta. Toronto did not play today, which is certainly a help for them compared to a team that did play today and has to travel after the game with the Hawks and the talent advantage. The Raptors still are without Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry, though, so that's a little bit of optimism for the Hawks in this spot, and they could be desperate after five straight losses, plus whatever was said after the game, because uh, now that we're at 10.30 or so as I'm recording this, Eastern Time, um, I've not heard or seen a single quote from Lloyd Pierce from this game. I don't know if he didn't talk or if he did talk at this point in time because they went off the broadcast. But, uh, yeah, nothing in terms of post-game sound or post-game quotes that I've seen so far. I'm sure stuff will uh, definitely come out from Sarah Spencer, who's on who's on the ground in Detroit, after this game. So, but, on, obviously, at, at this time of the, of the recording, I do not know it. So, if something crazy happens, maybe I'll tack it on at the beginning of this podcast. But, alas... Here we are. Thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, please subscribe to the show and um, 
The plan is to have another podcast um, after the game on Saturday, probably from the arena, if as long as there's not something crazy after the game that uh, is too loud for me to record in. But uh, I will be here either from the bowl or from the same studio on Saturday night. Hawks Raptors, and uh, stay tuned for that.